I'm Asam, and welcome to the day after the month before Friday show post-transfer window wrap-up. Um, it's been quite a mental 36 hours with me to try and go through it and go through the whole window. I've got first and foremost Sam Lee from Goal.com. Welcome, Sam. Hi, mate. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure. Stephen Tudor from The Daisy Cutter. Welcome, Steve. Hi, mate. And Kerry Collins. Welcome, Kerry. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you very much. Excellent. Excellent. Um, well, look, uh, I guess there is no place to start other than what happened yesterday. Um, the Alexis Sanchez deal, as you will all know, fell through at the very last minute. Um, Sam, do you want to try and unpack what actually has gone on with Alexis over the whole summer, never mind the last 36 hours, um, the relationship between City and Arsenal, when City first made contact with Arsenal, how both sides have behaved. Um, yeah, I mean, just try and go through it as forensically as you can. Oh, I don't know if you want me to go through it as forensically. It's probably fill the whole hour. Uh, <laughs> I, I do think, I do think City, I do think from the outside, because I don't know exactly why City left it, so late because I do think there was enough time to do it but I think allowing for the fact that Arsenal haven't really shown much now in the transfer market for quite a while now I think it's a bit like the hindsight situation with Danny Alves where I don't really blame City for letting him have his holiday in Brazil and you know thinking it was going to be fine because he'd given him his word but in hindsight when it goes wrong you think oh maybe they could have done things differently and I think it's the same kind of thing with Alexis um but the biggest situation is well, I mean, okay, to go back to the start, obviously, Guardiola has wanted Alexis for some time. And I saw it written by Simon Mullock yesterday. He was bang on top of things yesterday that he's been one of the targets since Guardiola agreed to take over in the first place. So that obviously goes back a long way. Um, you know, back in April, we were saying a goal that um, they were confident of getting him. Mm. Alexis had told his teammate at Chile that, you know, he wants to go to City. And if it's up to him, then that's where he'd go. Obviously, that progressed over the summer. They agreed a contract at some point that was worth around £300,000, maybe two hundred and eighty, something like that. I'm not exactly sure on the figures. Um, but yeah, and then it all kind of boiled down to to the end of it. And, you know, with seven to ten days, the transfer window left, you know, all, all I was being told was that, you know, they will make they will make their move. And then of, that obviously came on... On Monday, it all escalated. The Sterling stuff um, came from the Arsenal side that they wanted Sterling involved in it, and City went, "Oh, well, no, that's, that's not going to happen." Um, and then it came down to a cash-only deal, and as long as Arsenal could get the replacement. So then on, so what would it have been Wednesday night? I think City made the offer of around sixty million. Mm. Some people say it's fifty-five and five in add-ons. I heard it was sixty-one, something like that which was quite specific. I wondered if that was 65 million euros, but it wasn't. Um, but anyway, Arsenal said yes to that yesterday morning and they were saying that, um, well, we'll go and get Thomas Lamar then and it'll be okay. And then what's what what we were actually told in the afternoon and when I tweeted it yesterday, when you know it started coming out from the Arsenal end that it wasn't going to go ahead, um, I said there was two very different sides to it because obviously Arsenal are saying no Lamar means no Sanchez but people close to Alexis are convinced that it will go ahead and that's because at that point 
I'd already been told that he'd actually signed the contract in Chile. His agent had gone to the Chile um, training camp with the contract and he'd signed it and it was all done. Um, that's been reported. That's been reported right now in Chile. They actually say that City are going to take Arsenal to court, make some kind of complaint because he signed the contract, but Arsenal didn't um, follow up their end of the deal. I don't think that's actually going to happen. And I think why Alexis would have signed it would obviously be because if if Arsenal had managed to sign Lamara at half ten, for example, that would have been an hour before kickoff with Chile. So there's no point in getting Alexis to sign the contract an hour before kickoff. So I think what they did was they got the contract sent over in preparation for everything being finalised. Mm. So I think, well, I'm confident that Alexis signed that contract, but it was only on the proviso, the same as City agreed with Arsenal to pay £60 million. It was only on the proviso that they could, that Arsenal could get Thomas Lamar or somebody else. So then obviously, once they couldn't get him, because Lamar said he didn't want to join them, but he didn't want to play for somebody not in the Champions League... And that was that. So the the sixty million deal, and Alexis actually put in pen to paper on a city contract, the contract he agreed a few months ago. It all went up in smoke, really. And then um, I heard last night I was speaking to people just before I went to bed after the deadline had closed, and they said his agent was on conference calls with City and Arsenal, and he was he was really pissed off. And obviously, City have attempted to blame Arsenal, and Arsenal have attempted to blame City, and there's all that kind of stuff going on. But the agent and Alexis very much blaming Arsenal for it um, and as during those conversations between City and the agent they said look we'll, we'll try again we'll try again in January and they reckon they'll be able to offer uh, much less than the 60 million not even not even the 30 I don't think not even 30 million to get him in January and obviously the intention is to do it at the start of January and not <laughs> make it drag on uh, funny um, thanks Sam uh, Steve I'm going to come to you first um, uh, we'll start at the end. How do you feel about the idea of going back for Alexis in January? Does it matter right now? Um, well, of course, yeah. Yesterday was extremely disappointing, very frustrating. Um, he's a player that Pap desperately wants, and he's a player that City desperately need. So if we do go back in for him in January, you know, that makes perfect sense. Um, you know, you could kind of look at it and say, we have enough in our armory to get through to January. And usually, you know, traditionally it is during the winter months that kind of injuries occur and squad depth is really tested. So maybe, perhaps, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. You know, it wouldn't be the apocalypse that yesterday felt um, should this happen. Um, so, yeah, I would love to see us go back in uh, and get him. And then you know, for a figure of, you know, something like 20, 25 million pounds, um, because he would add so much to City. Okay. Um, Kerry, what about you? Similar? Yeah, absolutely same. Um, I was gutted. Uh, we didn't get him yesterday. Um, I did the, some total of fuck all work. <laughs> I was just checking Twitter all day. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly got fired. Join the club. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a weird thing, because it's just like, if we'd never been in for him, I would say... You know, we'd all probably agree it was a, a fantastic transfer window, but the the fact he was so tantalisingly close, <laughs> um, it's just it's just a bit gutting that it didn't happen. But I mean, yeah, if if we can get him in January, you know, I'm all over it. You know, let's let's do it. Okay, um, Steve, I'm going to bounce back to you and then and then over to Sam. 
Uh, just looking at this from a from an Arsenal perspective, um, I tweeted last night that that I felt that uh, Arsenal were in a were in bad shape in the way that they were being run, and that this wasn't a good thing for them. Keeping Sanchez in the manner in which this is has unfolded wasn't a good thing for them. Um, would you go along with that, or do you think that you know it's 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 football, and that the reality is in nine days' time or ten days' time when he comes back from the international break, he'll get back to work just like Luis Suarez did, just like Coutinho will, just like Van Dijk should do. That's what footballers do. No, I, I completely disagree with that. I, I mean, you, you said the examples at the end as if you know that's how it's going to play out. Who's to say that is indeed how it will play out? Van Dijk might be just you know stroppy and sulking throughout. Same goes for Coutinho. Same goes for Sanchez. Um, we're witnessing a, quite a, a modern phenomenon now of it becoming commonplace for, for players to essentially go on strike um, and your know, player power just getting too kind of one-sided uh, in, in a great scheme of things. And we don't really know how that fully plays out. Um, and we're going to see that this season. And we're going to see it with Sanchez. Uh, reportedly, the player is furious. The club, Arsenal now, They've just become a laughing stock in this transfer window, or certainly in the last week, they've become a laughing stock. And it's open season on them now, and a lot of it is down, you know, it's they're entirely to blame for their own demise here. Um so Wenger's gonna get it in the neck, the players are kind of, you know, unhappy. Um, they're letting players go and they haven't replaced them, and that whole kind of narrative of crisis is now being affixed firmly to Arsenal. So their best way out of it, of course, is, as is always a way, is to get some decent results under their belt. And then perhaps in a few weeks' time, that might kind of, um, you know, ease things for them. But certainly there is every chance now that Arsenal could have an horrendous season and their star player is, in his mind at least, on strike. You know, he'll be there on the pitch and he'll be kind of... And also, you have to say as well, with Sanchez he is that type of player who just his natural instinct is to kind of graft and uh, and you know run for 90 minutes but will his heart be in it you know his heart wants to be elsewhere and resentment could rise uh, in him and they're in trouble they're potentially in trouble okay um, Sam do you think that Arsenal have acted professionally throughout this uh, this this transfer of Sanchez particularly in the last week I mean, professionally, probably. Um, it makes sense for them to to have not sold him without finding a replacement. But the only, you know, but I'll just take issue with that whole stance, really. They've known for some time, you know, start of July. They, they knew at the start of July for a fact that he wanted to leave and he wanted to join City. Um, why not just, just get rid then and you can sort everything else out in the remaining two months. Um, that That's the bit that doesn't make sense to me. Um, I mean, the the idea that they were going to sign Lamar with four or five hours to go, but just thought they would run out of time, I think was either cooked up by the press office or just by one journalist in particular, but it's clearly absolute bollocks, isn't it? Mm. I mean, there's just no way that was the case. Um, so, but I'm not sure if you could really attribute that to how the actual club, their directors and Gazidis or whatever, how they actually acted. I, I just think, 
I just think they've handled the whole thing badly, professionally, but naively, I think. Um, and but, but when you tie it into everything else, they were miles off the top last year, miles off the top, and they've signed one striker and a left-back. It's like the other year when they were miles off and they, they only signed Petr Cech. It's like, what are they actually doing? Hmm. Uh, they are, you know, they they are a terribly run club. And <laughs> I mean, that's not it's not a new thing. It's it's been going on for ages. That's why half the half the fans want want Wenger gone because you know he's he's very much part of it. Um, certainly got a lot of expe- uh, a lot of um, a lot of respect for Wenger. Sorry. So I was just reading a few messages that are coming through. Um, a lot of respect for Wenger, but he is very much part of the malaise that Arsenal are in. And just the way they've handled the Alexis situation, in my view, is just entirely in keeping with how they've handled pretty much absolutely everything else over the last couple of years. Um, no, wonder he, no wonder he wants to leave. Yeah. Um, I've, seen a lot of, uh, I've seen a lot of criticism of, of, of City for on the face of it, not moving earlier um, for for Sanchez. Not talking specifically about City, um, looking at the market in general, Liverpool left it late to move for a lot of targets and didn't get them. Chelsea clearly have left it very late to move for targets. In fact, if you look across Europe, feels like this summer... Everybody has left it relatively late to move for for key targets. And and a lot of clubs have ended up missing out. Um, I've got a little theory, which is that I think maybe a lot of clubs could see the inflationary effect of of early summer transfers uh, and decided that they would roll the dice until the end of the window and basically swerve it. The idea being that get to the end of the window and if you can pick up one or two of those players that you want for a fee that you're comfortable with, do the deal, but otherwise just swerve it this summer because it's out of control. Um, Sam, I'll start with you this time. What do you think? Do you think that's a fair analysis or do you think there's something else going on with people leaving it so late? (laughs) Maybe just the... Well, obviously, we say on the face of it, the market this summer has gone mad. You know, since Neymar, all the prices have gone up. But I'm just wondering how clubs are actually dealing with that. And they now, you know, selling clubs don't know what a fair price would be for their own players. Uh, You know, so with Van Dijk, at the start of the window, you know, right back at the start, what was it, the start of June, when Liverpool made a bit of a mess of it, there were stories that they wanted 60 or 70 million for Van Dijk, probably after Neymar, and especially after that had a direct effect with Liverpool, didn't it? Because Liverpool were turning down silly money for Coutinho, but then Southampton were probably thinking, well, if they're going to get that, then we'll go for 80 or 90 for Van Dijk. And I just think there's a good chance that clubs didn't really know where they stood, either buying or selling. And everything just got so mad in the end. Obviously, with all the big deals yesterday, it seems like Monaco accepted 92 million for Lamar, which was more than they'd have ever hoped to get. And, you know, I don't think they expected to ever get near that. But mm. right at the end, there was there was a mad bid. But that was one that fell through. It seems like, I don't know, is Mahrez, is Mahrez not going anywhere? Um, unless he signs for Barca today, 
purely because he landed there yesterday, but, you know, he could have flown on to anywhere else. But, you know, Mahrez was actually signed off by his own FA and it looks like he's going to miss the Algeria game to complete a transfer that was never going to happen. Um, yeah, the Van Dijk one didn't happen. Barkley one didn't happen. didn't happen. Barkley didn't happen. Coutinho didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, and you, you just think, I, I just wonder now if, if, if clubs were so unsure, they didn't know how much they should be offering, they didn't know how much they should be accepting... And also, on top of that, if Southampton had to go and replace Van Dijk, who do they get and how much does it cost? Because then, you know, they've got the knockdown effect of Neymar to Coutinho to Van Dijk to whoever else. So they'll, whoever Southampton wanted to go and buy, the selling club from them would see them coming as well. So I think they probably went, look, we're just going to keep hold of these guys. And it's football. I actually agree with you what you, what you asked Steve earlier. I, I actually think that maybe not in a week, maybe not in 10 days, but eventually the player will just get on with it. And they might not be happy, um, but they will get on with it. They may sign a contract which would probably just allow them to go the following summer, um, which happened with Luis Suarez before. And I just think clubs have maybe hedged their bets and gone, look, this is a crazy market. We're not going to gamble. The only gamble we're going to take is we're going to keep this player who we know is very good and we're mm. going to hope that eventually he'll play for us. And again, look, it's a World Cup year. Yeah, nobody's going to go on strike and you know refuse to play in the well, chance themselves out of playing in the World Cup. Okay. Um, hey, Kerry, do you think it's fair on players the way that uh, this window and transfer windows sometimes unfold? I think so- sometimes we lose sight of the fact that <laughs> that players are in fact human beings; they're not you know just commodities to be traded. Um, and if you're Sanchez. And you're sat, you know, in Chile, having been told you've got the move that you wanted um, after you've made it clear that you don't want to play at Arsenal. Do you think it's unfair the way that the, this this sort of thing, the way basically the players' wishes seem to be, to an extent, seem to have been irrelevant this summer? Or do you think that's the deal when you sign a contract? Um, yeah, a bit of both, really. I mean, it, it is. I mean, obviously... You know, I was thinking of it more from the point of view of Lamar, actually, because, I mean, despite what John Cross was it who said Arsenal thought there wasn't enough time, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anyone believes that, do they? Um, Everyone believes the other story, which is that Lamar turned them down. And, you know, I was thinking about it last night, actually, like, well, you can't blame him. A, obviously, because, you know, the sort of state Arsenal are in, but also just on, um, yeah, as a human being, if you're, you know, if it's like 5 p.m. and you're you're in Monaco and you're just going to have your tea, and then you suddenly get told, "Oh, do you want to move to Arsenal? You've got to let us know in half an hour." <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's a huge decision, isn't it? It's a huge life decision, and there is no time to kind of make that decision. Really, you know, you whoever, whoever the club is, you know. Um, so yeah, absolutely, I can totally understand why, you know. For whatever reason, Lamar really said no to Arsenal. I could that would have been enough of a reason for me. You know, you might just thought, well, that's you know, got to uproot my whole life. Um, but on the flip side, yeah, you know, a contract's a contract. But um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm so this is a, there's a reason I don't work in high finance and <laughs> stuff like that because you know I, I part of me just thinks just you know like when um, Sam said earlier about uh, City go but go back in in January. But hopefully for less than less than half, 
you know, my instant reaction is just pay, just pay fucking 30 million and get him and start <laughs> January. Because otherwise Arsenal will just be like, well, well, we'll keep you waiting till the end of January. But then that's, there's a reason why I'm not in that business. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think as supporters, we'd all like to do that. Just go and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and get the player. Yeah. But, you know, ultimately a contract's a contract and we can't, you know, no one could ever really uh, be pissed off about someone, uh, about a club, you know, just not releasing someone from a contract if they don't want to. Mm, yeah, I know. Um, Steve, what about for you? Do you think that I'm a little too sympathetic with with the players here? Because I genuinely, I think I think Barclay's another really good example where, you know, Barclay's in London. Uh, the story is that he felt that he was being pressured to join Chelsea. Um, he wanted to join Spurs, but for whatever reason, uh, Everton wouldn't speak to Spurs. Uh, and in the end, he just went, no, I'm not doing it, even though he'd done a medical. He just just refused to move. And I, I, again, I totally understand because I'm like, you know, he's a human being and, and it's a life decision and it's a big decision. And, you know, just because on deadline day, Chelsea rock up and go, right, we want you in there, Chelsea. I don't think he should have to jump. Whereas I see a lot of Evertonians who are absolutely furious with him. What do you think? I think it's quite a unique circumstance with Barkley. Um, I agree with you less where it concerns Ross Barkley than, um, you know, Kerry gave a really good example there of Lamar, you know, having his tea at five o'clock and essentially having an hour to determine the course of his, the rest of his life or the next, you know, two or three years of his life. Uh, with Barkley, he is a player who, you know, has been agitating for a move or you know, a, a, a larger contract. Um, it's been on the cards for some time. He's had more than enough time to adapt and, and kind of assess his options. Okay, what it spurs over Chelsea. <sighs> he has his reasons and ultimately he, he followed through with those reasons and I respect him for that. But looking at it from the outside, it's kind of baffling because both are obviously in the capital. So in terms of off a, off a pitch, the circumstance will be the same, you know, kind of living conditions, etc. Uh, so it really comes down to footballing reasons. And then you think, well, Chelsea, the champions, he's going to have more game time with Chelsea than he will at Everton. Um, it, you know, more chance for silverware. It, it all seemed to fit. Obviously, that's not the case. And, you know, I respect him for kind of walking away and being true to his convictions from the outside though I just find that a little bit baffling okay fair enough um, okay that's enough of a post-mortem about the transfer window as a whole and in general um, I kind of want to talk about the players that we did bring in uh, and, and how we feel we've uh, we filled those holes Steve I'll start with you um, so we signed Aderson, Mendy, Walker, Danilo and Bernardo Silva uh, had I told you at the start of the window those were the uh, five players that we were going to get. How would you have felt? Uh, if you told me the players we were letting go as well, which, you know, there's no great surprises in there, but, you know, for all four of our fullbacks to, to leave, then my first thought would be, mm, we're a little bit lighter. We're lighter now in terms of options at fullback than we were last season. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the whole quality versus quantity debate. Um, I would be extremely delighted with the actual individuals you'd mentioned. Um, Mendy, massive fan and of what I saw of him last season. He was I was desperate for a city to get him. Silver just came out of left field. I wasn't expecting that personally. And when it happened, I was utterly delighted and remain so. Um Danilo it was kind of one of those awkward ones where, you know, his previous club, 
Um, didn't really work out for him. The club before that, he was superb. So it's a case of wait and see, really, for Danilo. No question in his, his quality. Uh, and, of course, Walker. Um, it's, it's an obvious one, really. It was, that was always on the cards. It was inevitable that we are going to get Kyle Walker, barring some unlikely kind of hitch. Uh, and then we've come to, to the keeper, which who I hadn't seen barely, you know, a cumulative maybe of five minutes uh, before he joined for City. So I was in absolutely no position to judge. Um, and, it, and again, it was a case of wait and see. What I've seen so far of Edson, outstanding. I'm really delighted with him. His contribution, his distribution, sorry, is excellent. Uh, he looks confident. He looks solid. Um He's a shot stopper, but that really should be a given for any goalkeeper. Um, so yeah, I would be really, really chuffed with with the five that we've brought in. I would, however, you know, if you told this to me uh, in one go, think, well, where's the other fullback? Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Um, what about for you, Kerry? Um, yeah, totally agree with Steve. Um, I think you know everyone we've bought is an upgrade. There's no doubt about that, um, and we've got rid of a lot of deadwood. Probably, yeah. In, uh, t- to quote Sam on the hindsight, <laughs> if we'd known now, you know, the people that we wouldn't have, the targets we wouldn't have been able to land, maybe you know, would would we have just held on to perhaps Sanya or someone? I know you know Sanya's not. He wasn't giving us what we wanted, or you know, just someone, just another yeah, body. Yeah, sure. um, uh, so you know. Yeah, maybe, but obviously at the start of the summer we we were confident we were going to be able to land the other targets. Obviously, um, Alves was a again someone someone that we probably thought was locked down and just didn't happen. Um, so you can understand why we we let go of the guys that we let go of. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, as I said earlier, if if Sanchez had never been on the table, you know, I wouldn't be feeling any disappointment. I would have thought it's a great summer. You know, I do do think we're slightly liked um if we can get alexis in january we might just get away with it <laughs> as i think it was um steve that said you know injuries often bite around that time yeah. um so hopefully we'll be okay but no i mean i'm you know i'm an optimistic person i think i think it'll all be good i think you're right in what you said in terms of um the kind of the, the sanchez situation and, and actually more so just how it's ended really taking the wind out of what should be a overall a very, very positive transfer window. Um, because really, at the start of the summer, there were, you know, lone voices like mine saying, we will be light in attack if we don't sign Alexis. But the overwhelmingly vast majority of people that, that I interacted with were saying that Alexis is absolutely not a priority and shouldn't be a priority. And we need to get the fullbacks in. That's the most important thing and sort the keeper out. And there were some shouts for centre back and also for, for, for defensive midfield, but that's not, that's not really come off either. Uh, hey, Sam, uh, just in terms of those, those, those five players that we've, that we've brought in, how do you think we've, how do you think we stack up in comparison to the rest of the top six and, and how they've done. Like, if you were to assess, like, <laughs> how far forward, uh, how much everybody's squad has progressed from the end of last season, um, how do you think we've compared to, to to the other clubs? And you can, in a way, you can take Arsenal out straight away because their their window has been dog shit and they're clowns, so they don't deserve any more time on my uh, on my don't any more airtime on this podcast. So yeah, but with the others, how do you think they've done? Um. 
Chelsea's has actually been really entertaining. Like, what <laughs> have they been up to? It's a good shout. Like even the play- like the players they wanted to sign aren't particularly any good or aren't good enough to um to take on a a, a championship winning squad. And even then half of them turned them down anyway. I mean, they really have had a really bad window. Um like just even in, in the last week, who's it been? Oxley Chamberlain turned them down. Lorente. Barkley. Barkley, yeah, at the last minute. Whether we had the whether whether he was in the middle of his medical or not, he didn't want to go. I mean, those players I like Lorente, but come on. That that's the backup signing. And as I've said a long time about City, you well about any club, but I've specifically talked about it about City on this podcast. You you're not gonna you're not gonna get your squad better by by bringing in backups. I think that's a big problem Barcelona have had. And it just it just doesn't work. So Chelsea have had an absolute shocker. Liverpool Liverpool's a weird one because actually I like, I really like the way they play. And well, when they've got the ball, because they are shocking at the back. But it just seemed like heading into the deadline and the way that the that Liverpool as a club, their press office, the way they brief journalists, you know exactly where all the information's come from. So you went into deadline day thinking that they could go big on on Lamar and Van Dyke. And as well as Oxley chamberlain who is a decent squad option. And you think, you know, they could have a really strong squad next summer. And it just didn't happen in the end. So I think they're still weak at the back. Well, their goalkeepers are terrible. Their defence is not very good. Um, the midfield's fine and the attack. The attack on their day is good, but I think they'll have the same problems as last season where they can beat teams 4 or 5 nil. But I think they'll have a lot of nil nil draws or one nil defeats because if, if it doesn't click for them, I don't think they can find a way through. Mm. Um and that, that was even with Coutinho. So I don't think they've done particularly well in the end, even though Salah looks good. Um, who else have we got? Well, Spurs, um, Spurs were in that difficult situation where they basically couldn't buy anybody who was better than their first-team options because their centre-backs are very good. You know, Their central midfielders are very good. They, they couldn't find anybody in Europe or the world who's better than Deli Alley or Harry Kane, I don't think, because it would just cost money they don't have. So they have to shop for backups. Um Again, Lorente is probably the best they could do in terms of that hurricane backup situation. But yeah, they you know they've not done a lot, and you can tell that it's not a happy camp because Danny Rose isn't the only player who feels like that. So I can kind of see them breaking up next year, and I wouldn't be surprised if Ali. But depending on what City do, because City are quite well stocked in that area where Ali plays. But I could I could see either City or United going for him, and a couple of other players fading away as well and then you got United and I must be honest at the start of the at the start of the season I didn't think United had done enough same kind of thing as Arsenal I thought they were miles well obviously they were miles off last year um, but with the players they bought they hadn't actually changed that much obviously Lindelof hasn't made any impact at the moment and he's uh, he had a poor preseason anyway um, and then Lukaku started the season well enough but he, he, I don't know, he's probably going to do the same kind of job as Ibrahimovic. He needed to score about 20-odd goals just to match Ibrahimovic. But United didn't do anything in the league without, you know, even with those goals anyway. Um, and then Matic, I must admit, I, I wasn't entirely convinced by that one, but he has started really well and he does seem to make the midfield work a bit better. But even so, I, I do think I do think United didn't do as well as they wanted to do. And obviously they wanted a, another left-sided forward. And I think that kind of morphed into a a left-sided wing-back as the as the summer went on, but they didn't get that either. So to come to come back around, I, I still do think that in terms of the business done, 
City just about have had the best summer. Um, certainly in terms of the business done, but I think there's two sides of it. The business, the players City brought in, all very good, and I think they more or less were signed well and signed early. Um, but I do think the business they didn't do, Alves and Alexis and Evans, I do think that it is going to be problematic and. <laughs> here we go again but I think they're probably going to be quite busy in January or oh, there's the potential there's the potential for them to be busy in January at least Alexis mm. side well we'll we'll get that we'll talk about that but before we get that uh, you've touched upon it I think I think now's a good a moment as any to to kind of look at it um Steve touched upon it earlier as well we have mm. done very good business I think that you, you can't get away from the fact that Adairson, Mendy, Walker, Danilo, Silva, they're all excellent additions to the squad in positions where we needed players. But if you look at the number of bodies that have gone out of the door, we suddenly find ourselves in a situation where we have uh, essentially 16 foreign players um, and 20 senior players in total, um, which for my money makes the squad light. Uh just looking at that squad list that I sent over, um, Steve, I'll start with you. Where where are you concerned when you look at that squad? Well, at the back, let's start at the back because that's the obvious place to start. I think it's pertinent that Pep's favouring a back three at present. But then, obviously, you've got Stones and Otamendi and company as first choices there. I believe Fernandinho... Uh, can make an excellent sweeper in a central role uh, in the back three. You've got Tosin and you've got uh, Mangala. Well, I think we're okay with the numbers. It's just, as I mentioned before, it's quality, not quantity, that concerns really, because Tosin, he's raw. You know, he's a very decent prospect, but he is raw. Mangala, I feel we've gone the, the other way with him, to be honest, and too greatly diminished his capabilities. Um, I saw on Twitter and social media the past couple of days, people have essentially written him off uh, almost as a non-player. I mean, he's still, okay, I, I know what his flaws are. I know, you know, his capacity to commit individual errors. You know, I'm perfectly aware of all that. But, you know, he's still potentially an excellent defender on his day. You know, he's still capable of putting in performances like he did on his debut against Chelsea, for example, um, people have just seemed to have written him off, and, and I don't think that's that's too fair to be great. Uh, okay. To be fair, there. So you've got six defenders there for th- um, for three. That's okay. We're still short at left back as a left sided defender. No question about that. My biggest concern lies up front. Um, you know, Pep has repeatedly said that's what undid us last term. Our, our lack of uh, profligacy. Selling Nacho now no longer looks like good business. Selling Bonnie in any circumstance, will always be good business. Um, <laughs> but it leaves us with Sergio and Jesus and Sterling. And, you know, I just hope what Sam says is, is you know, proves to be true, really, in January, that we do go back for Sanchez, because right now you look at a season of four competitions and all the challenges and all the games that involves with, you know, two strikers and Sterling who can play up front. Mm, it, it's light. We're light there. I mean, Sam summed up perfectly on, on Twitter last night. He said our squad looks vulnerable. And, and I think there's no questioning that we have the, the best squad in the Premier League or one of the top two squads in the Premier League. But in terms of numbers, we look vulnerable to, to injury and, and form. Do you, so there are a couple of things I want to touch upon there. Um, on the Mangala thing, 
I, I think that's a fair shout. I, I think that there, there, there is this weird sort of, he re, he's a really divisive player, Mangala is. And there is this sort of weird polarization where all summer I've read arguments on one side of the fence, people going, Guardiola's a player developer. Why doesn't he give Mangala a chance? He's, you know, he's got it within his locker to be a top defender. He just needs to be coached, right? Et cetera, et cetera. And then on the other side of the fence, you've got those people who literally talk about him as if he's, you know, just garbage. Um, mm. And it's it's very difficult to know to know where the truth lies. Well, I, I saw two different tweets uh, in the last 24 hours which said, um, this leaves us with five defenders. I mean, in brackets, Plus Mangala, I mean, and, and the, the See, truth find, is, they're not trying to be funny. You know, we actually that's hard. I think. See, I find that weird because I think that uh, Adarabayo, uh, for the most part, has looked woefully out of his depth whenever he's got anywhere near the first team. Um, and I think that if you're talking about Mangala's got a mistake in him, I would argue that Adarabayo's got three or four per forty-five minutes that he plays in the first team, particularly if he's going to play at Premier League level. So it's. Uh, yeah, I don't. I just don't agree with that at all. Um, in terms of the attack, now you know that I echo your thoughts. Uh, but just to be devil's advocate for one moment, is there anybody in the league who you'd look at and you'd go, "Well, their attack is stronger than ours, and that makes them less vulnerable"? Because you used that word "vulnerable." You said Sam said we look vulnerable, mm. um, and I'm curious as to. In what way are we more vulnerable? Let's take our top three rivals. Let's take Spurs, Liverpool, and Chelsea for the moment. Um, are they stronger than us in attack? No, they're not. Not They're absolutely not. But they, they don't have Sergio Aguero, who is consistently injury-prone. And, you know, season after season... Um, he just seems to break down at some point and, and you know, is absent for, for three months or two months. Uh, and that's always costly. Um, we don't have backup in Jesus and Sterling, who both are outstanding footballers, but, you know, one's a teenager in a foreign country uh, and one is, for me, Sterling has everything to his game apart from, you know, and we... We're not going to have this whole real debate again, but I still think his finishing needs needs improving. Mm. So to play him as a as a front man, you know, obviously, is that's quite contradictory there. So in terms of the personnel that we're talking about, I'm perfectly happy with that trio. You know, I, I love I love that trio, but one is susceptible to injury. One is a youngster who is at present out of form, although he did play well last night. Uh, and we've got Raheem Sterling, who you know would to an extent, be played out of position. So there's, there's kind of faults and flaws and worries with all three there. Um, so that's why. I mean, yeah, if you compare us to Spurs, for example, with their over-reliance on Kane, give us give us our trio any day of the week. But just looking at City, you know, as a single entity, it could backfire on us. It could blow up on our faces. It could get to the stage where mid-November, suddenly we have one nominal striker, no one on the bench, um, and we've got, you know, a trio of really tricky fixtures coming up in, inside of seven days. Okay. Um, Sam, would you would you go along with that assessment of the attack, just bearing in mind that, just to pick up on one thing that Steve said there, uh, Aguero didn't have a bad injury last season. He, he missed games through suspension, 
um, through his own stupidity. But I don't think that <laughs> they. I don't think that there was any injury issues as such. Um, but would you go along with that assessment? And it's the same question for you. Uh, are we are we more vulnerable in attack than our rivals because of the depth of our squad or not? Um, no, I do still think in attack, even though, you know, definitely needed Alexis and maybe another. Um, I'd, again, I do think the players City have got are really good. Um yeah, it's interesting, again, as Steve said, that because I'd kind of forgotten that in the Sanchez haze, you kind of think just about Sanchez. But, you know, Guardiola had said last Friday, he actually admitted that he was concerned about the team missing all the chances. And that's not something that Guardiola actually normally does. And he seemed really genuine about it. And now there's there's no obvious way that that's going to improve now, other than, as he said, hopefully one day it will just click. Um if it does click, then City have got great forwards, really capable of tearing teams apart. And, you know, it was only six months ago that Sane, Sterling and Jesus all did that. Um, and we all know what Aguero is capable of as well. So City have still got excellent options there. Um, I suppose it may be similar to Liverpool. And I suppose what I said about them earlier actually applies to City. Um, last season particularly around, well, after Christmas into the new year, I was I was pretty much convinced that Liverpool and City were essentially the same. Well, they were different clubs, but having the same issues. Yeah, yeah. And I think that might be the case again now, because I think on, on, on City's day, they'll batter teams, but on other days, they really struggle. Um, slightly different to Liverpool, I think City will still create the chances, but I think they'll just miss them. Whereas Liverpool, I think they'll struggle to create them on certain days. But no, compared to the rivals... I still think there's enough depth there. And I think the way that Guardiola wants to move the team around anyway, in terms of the formations, even if someone does get injured, I still think there's enough versatility there to change. And again, if I go back to United, we mentioned Lukaku coming in. You know, if, and again, this can happen to, to every club, of course, but if something happens to Lukaku, then, you know, you could play Martial or Rashford through the middle. And, you know, personally, I, I like both of those players, but they're not, going to do the same job as Lukaku. They're not going to score the same amount of goals. They haven't quite got that depth there. But I just think if something happens to Aguero, then they can City can shuffle things around. And again, at Chelsea, we'll have to see how Morata does. Um, Spurs have got Kane. But now I think, I think City are... They're okay. And as long as it goes on till January, before the FA Cup and replays and rescheduled games and potentially League Cup finals and Champions League games or whatever before the fixtures really start to bite they they should have just about enough but I do think like I said there's there is potential to to do something in January because you, over the course of the season it might be a bit light where do you think they've left themselves vulnerable if you look through that whole squad because obviously you've got that list in front of you um when you're looking at that at that list um mm. Where do you where do you sort of instinctively are there, are there names that make you uncomfortable or holes that well, make you uncomfortable? Well, I mean, City City wanted to sign up. Well, in an ideal world, they would have signed nine, and obviously that was in an ideal world, and it would have taken a lot of a lot of things to happen. So that may not have been realistic. But I think if yesterday had gone well, they'd have signed seven, and that would have been fine. But only signing five, that doesn't look so good. And you look at it with. Well, obviously now they've got 
four centre backs. It's just that Mangala is is one. But you know, I think um, we, me and you, both saw a conversation with somebody yesterday morning. Who knows what's going on? And they termed it as if they didn't get Evans, then three centre backs is fine. You know, just not counting Mangala at all. And this isn't just a fan discounting it. This is you know somebody who who knows what's going on. And then you've got three fullbacks, so that's not enough. Um, and as I said, in attack, I think there's enough versatility there and enough you can do to change the formations around to allow for injuries. I don't quite think there's that versatility in the defence. Um, and I don't think Otamendi is good enough for what Guardiola wants to do. Mm. And again, it's similar with Mangala. Maybe Mangala could be a good defender. and People might disagree with me on this, but I, I don't know if he's got what it takes to be a, a Guardiola defender in terms of playing the ball out. And, you know, rightly or wrongly, I think that that is important. It's the same thing as Joe Hart. Joe Hart's a, a very good goalkeeper, but not a Guardiola goalkeeper. And I think that can be the case for the centre-backs too. And I think that I think that also applies to Otamendi, you know. He gets a lot of time on the ball, but doesn't quite have the wherewithal to, to do with it what Guardiola wants. So when you allay that with the... Allay that, sorry, with the lack of options... I do think they're short at the back. Okay. And midfield, a lot depends on Gundogan being fit. That's and that the... would have been the case even with four centre-backs and four full-backs. So yeah. when you take it all into account, yeah, I do think, as, as I said on Twitter, I do think it's especially vulnerable. Okay. I'm not sure it's especially vulnerable, but I do think that there are that there could be a perfect storm um, that could make us look particularly vulnerable. I think for me, um, if I look, if I look through that list, I'm I'm uncomfortable with the uh, with the lack of a uh, a backup left left back because unless Sane um, progresses as a wing back, uh, but I think otherwise, and I, I think I'd feel more comfortable with it if Guardiola hadn't abandoned the Danilo at left wing back, or it felt like he abandoned that uh, as an option very very quickly. Um, so yeah. So that that's that's maybe a little bit worrying, but the big one for me is is those three names together: Gundogan, uh, Gundogan, Fernandinho, and Yaya Torre. I, I think that you know, I think that instinctively those three guys are fighting for one position, and it's arguably one of the most important positions on the pitch. And there are um, inherent flaws in all three of them. Torre can't run. Fernandinho can't pass as well as he needs to, and Gundogan has got a Gundogan has got a terrible injury record. So, so yeah, that that's for me. If we were going to talk about particularly vulnerable, I think actually that's the position where we're particularly vulnerable because in theory, all three of those guys can be fit, but none of them will work. Um, and it's yeah, it's just a very, very, very important position. Sorry, Kerry, I've not, I've, I've not actually asked you what's your, uh, what's your vibe in terms of the, the overall strength of the squad and, and vulnerabilities. Um, yeah, I agree with you all, really. Um, especially agree with what you just said, Asan. Um, I think that's centre mid is probably the the position I'm most worried about, and it's one we didn't even really look to fix in this window. Um, I think it's just because there's no, as we, as you just said, then the three that are vying for that position, none of them are kind of the perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're already at a disadvantage, you know, whereas um, 
all the other positions, you know, we've got people who you'd we would consider a perfect fit in the first eleven. Um, but if they get injured, that's when the problems come. But the, but in in the first in the sort of starting eleven of those three, none of them are a perfect fit in that pretty crucial position. So it, it's still a little bit of a, a make do kind of situation. Mm. You know, we we you know as we said um, on on the pod the other day, Gundogan um, might be, you know, he might absolutely nail that position, but we've just never really seen him play there yet so we just don't know um and we know that Fernandinho can play better than he's currently playing so maybe he can improve um and Yaya's only really going to be wheeled out for certain games isn't he um so yeah I think that's probably the biggest my biggest worry um I think we've just we've got a great and absolutely fantastic starting 11 but it's just it's not an 11 man game anymore is it (laughs) it's too many games too many matches for that yeah um Sam, and then it's for all three of you. With the fact that we've ended up light in particular positions, um, is this, for example, an opportunity for... I mean, obviously, I I was scathing about Adrobio earlier. Um, <laughs> but just to, to to look at the other side of the coin, is this an opportunity for Adrobio, Foden, and, and Diaz? Because... I kind of look at those three and go, you would expect maybe that they will get more opportunities than they previously would have done. Or is that me being too optimistic and it will be the same as Alex Garcia and Mafeo last season? So Sam? It could it could well be the same. It's in, it'll be interesting, actually, because Dalf stayed as well. Dalf said he wasn't going to go to Stoke and he he rejected West Brom as well as part of the, the Evans deal at some point. Um, although that boiled down to Mangala not leaving in the end to free up the space. Um, but obviously Dalf was in the squad at the weekend and not Foden. And that could well have been just because Foden hadn't played for a couple of weeks. So they so they played him on the did they play on the Friday or the Saturday in the EDS? I'm not sure to be honest. So maybe that was just a way to give him some freshness. But it'll be interesting to see if Dalf is going to be the the so called seventh midfield option or, you know, the the backup man on the bench. Yeah. going forward or if it'll be Foden so that's one thing to well I'm sure it's one thing we'll try and find out as soon as possible um, the other thing is when there, there was talk about Brahim and Roberts and how you know obviously Roberts was was pushing for the loan and he's more advanced um, but there was one thing about Brahim during pre-season it was kind of well his opportunities he's going to stay anyway at least until January then he might go on loan um, December sorry uh, but he, he's going to stay and his actual opportunities in the first team depend upon what happens with Alexis and Mbappe at the time. And obviously neither have come. So there's potential for him to be involved, but I would imagine he'll probably get the same involvement as he did last year, you know, that was when he played in the League Cup at Swansea. Hmm. And then it depends on who they get in the next the next round of the League Cup if they get past West Brom, to be honest. I can't I can't really see Raheem playing unless there's so many injuries. Like I say, it'll be interesting with Foden. And toes in, football league clubs can still loan players, can't they? Yes, they and can. I don't think toes in was ever tied into Evans or Mangala or whatever. Maybe now it's happened and nobody expected it. They'll have another look and look at the two in training over the next couple of weeks. And if Guardiola really doesn't fancy Mangala, maybe he'll go, well, he doesn't fancy toes in either, but toes in still better than him. So maybe they'll make a bit of a decision on that. But it was never linked and he was always likely to go out on loan. Um, and obviously that loan deadline hasn't passed yet. So that's still very possible to be honest. Okay. Um, 
Lads, same same question for you, um, Steve. I'll start with you. W- would you like to see more of, um, so for example, the Diaz situation there where Sanchez hasn't come and Roberts has gone, um, would you like to see Diaz given a real chance or do you think it's too early? Um, it's kind of two different answers, really. Would I like to see it? Absolutely. I would love to see more of them. Um, I really enjoyed watching him in pre-season. It's just kind of offers the fan something that a little bit different, doesn't it? You know, just knowing that they've come through the kind of academy, uh, particularly with Foden being a, a local lad as well. Um, such a rarity these days, not just for City, but just in modern day Premier League. You've got you do feel that connection there. It does mean that bit more when when they you know pull off something um, spectacular. Um, so I would love to see it. Whether I think that would be the case um, is you know I'm more sceptical there. Um, I think that Guardiola will go through with a thin squad and rely on them more than he planned to. Um, I don't think he'll be looking kind of beyond that too much. Um, as Sam said, it really depends on who we get in the League Cup because that offers ideal opportunity uh, for the trio to kind of, you know, get some game time. Um, and maybe as well, just maybe some kind of, you know, home games in the league against, you know, Cadden fodder. So I'd, I'd, I'd expect to see them, just not a lot of them. And I would love to see a lot more of them. Okay. Um, Kerry, finally for you. Yeah, totally agree with Steve. Um, I'd love to see more of them. Um, but obviously, Pep's not going to risk <laughs> the season by, you know, if, if, he does, if he doesn't think they're ready. Ironically, I think, um, you know, two of the three youth players are in a position where we're actually really well stocked. Um, you know, with, uh, you know, got a lot of players who can play number 10 yeah. in that sort of uh, position. So, um, you know, it's, I, I would absolutely love to see them. I, th- I suspect he'll play them in the League Cup, a couple of them, um, maybe not all three. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I hope, uh, just, I'm, I'm just, you know, I am an optimistic person, as I said earlier. And I just sort of have this, sort of have this romantic notion that maybe, you know, one of them will just be so brilliant that, <laughs> that they'll end up playing a lot more. But, um, you know, they're both, uh, they're, the three of them are still young. And um, I can't remember who it was that just said about um, Tosin and, you know, he's, the, mis- the mistakes he's got in him. And, you know, I agree, you know, it's he's, he's young and he's it, playing to play centre-back in, in a pep system. It's, it's a lot to ask. Yeah, um, I think that's maybe a bit too much. I think I think Foden and, and Diaz are, are more likely to get minutes because yeah. I think they play in positions where maybe they can he can get away with giving them 20. Firstly, you don't sub your, 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 you don't sub a centre back on with 20 minutes to go. No. Uh, so <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Whereas I think that Diaz and Foden might get the last 10 minutes of a game, the last 15 minutes of a game, if we score enough goals to be far enough ahead. Um, okay. Wonderful. Okay. I've got a, uh, to wrap up, I've got one question for the three of you. You can sign one player in January from anywhere in the world, who will it be? Um, Sam, I'll start with you. Oh, City God. squad. What? Literally any player? Any player in the world for City squad you can sign in January. Who would you sign? Oh, God. The only players you can't say are Messi, Ronaldo, or anybody yeah. who's moved this summer. <laughs> okay. Um, 
and I, I won't say Alexis either. Let's, I don't know, so, some, I'm just, I'm, I've decided on a central midfielder, a deep line one, and I'm just trying to weigh up whether it's going to be somebody small like Verratti or Weigl or somebody big like Yaya and Wanyama. I'm just trying to work out what they want. Um, who's the best in there? Weigl's a pretty uh, big both. Match, you know. I suppose so. Uh, let's, anyway, let's do Busquets because he's kind of both. Okay, fair enough. Um, Steve? Oh, even my joke answer doesn't fit. I was going to say Kieran Gibbs, just as a battle <laughs> left back. <laughs> but <laughs> you can't because he's moved this summer. Um, you know, keeping with that theme, uh, Tierney, uh, um, the young lad at Celtic. Interesting. You've, but I'll just so that you know, Sam picked my first choice and you've just taken my second choice. So at least great really? players think alike. Yeah, yeah. Because um, Weigl was my first choice. And if it wasn't Weigl, then, then Tierney was the other one. Um, Kerry, what about you? Um, yeah, I was going to pick uh, Weigl as well, but um, I, I actually, you know, if I'm allowed to say Sanchez, I'd say Sanchez because he seems to really want to be here. <laughs> yeah. um, and as as we all know, he didn't move this summer. <laughs> so yeah, he seems to really want to be here. And I just think it's just, you know, sometimes just we, we've talked about this uh, the other day as well. Sometimes our squad just lacks that that bulldog mentality, that that real winner, yeah. you know, who's just. And I feel like we sort of lacked that a bit since probably since Tevez maybe. Um, uh, I just think it's he just it's that as much as his ability. It's it's that attitude, um, which obviously can go south as well. But it's that that just winner's mentality that I think he could bring to us. Um, so, yeah, hopefully and hopefully we could get him. Okay. Um, so since you two picked my two, I'm going well, to... I picked Busquets, to be fair. So oh, that's right. Sorry. You, 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 did, on with you, you did pick Busquets. I... I I'd sign Weigl or I'd sign Van Dyke because Van Dyke didn't move and 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 I'd still have him because he's top. Uh, okay, wow, transfer window is over. I'm I've got to be honest. I'm 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 glad. I was going to swear then, but I'll try not to swear. I'm, I'm very very <laughs> glad that that the window is over. So um, I'm going to start with you, Sam. Thank you very much. Thanks for taking the time over the summer, man, to to do all these all these transfer talks and to update us and yeah to to give us time and information that you didn't have to. So thank you. No, no problem. No problem. I, w- I wish I had been a bit more celebratory today, but never mind. All right. There'll be, there will be a we'll town, do one in January. <laughs> there'll be a town moment at some point in the next 18 months, two years. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> of it. Messi on a free, anybody? Um, <laughs> Steve, always a pleasure. Thank you very much, man. Pleasure, mate. No worries. Kerry, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, to everybody who listened, thank you very much. This is the Friday show. If you're listening on SoundCloud, uh, go to our website, 9320.com, and sign up to the 9320 player because we will do Transfer Talk podcasts uh, throughout the autumn when there is something to talk about. Uh, to everybody who's already signed up, thank you very much for signing up. And we will be back with a preview of the Liverpool game next week. And between now and then, there will be some talking heads on the 9320 player as well. So yeah, thanks for signing up and thanks for listening.